Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. Oh, it's great to welcome you here. Let's just um, stretch out our hands. Let's take a moment in the presence of God. God, we're so grateful. We are so grateful for who you are and who we are, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for every single person here this morning. You're right where you're meant to be, right here. God has ordained for you to be here, whether it's to be in a baby dedication or, or not. He has something to say to you. He has a word for you. And we open up our hearts to you because we choose to be renewed in our thinking every day, not just on Sundays, but every day to align our theology, our thinking, our, our attitudes with you and who you've called us to be. So we give you our lives and our minds and our hearts today for you to do what you need to do to reshape us to the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Why don't you high-five somebody? Take a seat. Thank you, band. Thank you, Portuguese man. <laughs> Love that. I want to speak Portuguese. <clears throat> so, thank you so much, Vilko. Well, I send my love from Steve, my husband. He's actually down in Arnhem and Nijmegen today preaching. And uh, um, Pastor Peter is in Almira. And so I'm here. And I want to welcome Ruth and Brian from... Why don't you stand up, you two? You beautiful couple from Sea Street Thrall in Australia. So good to have you with us. And um, Pastor Monique and I were just there a few... Ooh, I felt, felt like only a few weeks ago, but um, it was sunny there. It was lovely. But really great welcome to you. They're, they're traveling, visiting family. So it's so good to be part of one big family, right, in C3. So absolutely wonderful. Um, so thank you for everyone who was at the brunch. Who was at the brunch yesterday, ladies? Wonderful. We've got some photos to put up on the screen, uh, especially that one, because that's my favorite. Um, she's got sass. She's just so good at this, Sandra. But we had a great day. We had this whole um, thank you for all the people that rearranged this room, because all this had to go, and there were round tables, and it was beautiful, and men were serving, and And there was the power of God and the power of testimony. So thank you all for making that happen. Can't wait till May next year for our gathering. So today, um, as we uh, in the second part of our series called The World Through Different Eyes, we're looking at psychological quests, really, that we go on as people to try and find things in our life. And today I'm preaching on happiness, but I'm preaching on the myth of happiness. Now... I talked to a few people after the first service. They loved it. Most of it. <laughs> This is challenging. This will mess with your head, so I need you to stay with me. Because at the beginning, you're going to go, what is she talking about? Stay with me until the end, because this is a message that has to unfold piece by piece. I want you to know from the start of this message, I'm not saying you can't be happy. Please do not think that, okay? I'm not saying you can't be happy. What I'm saying is in all of this, I'm not going to give away my punchline, but, but, but 
But I'm, I'm happy right now. It's a good feeling. But I want you to know that I'm not saying all of this not be happy, but we have to look at this topic through the eyes of the Bible. Okay? I'm not coming up here telling you what I think, because if I told you what I think, well, it, it is this, but I have to really get this word in me to be able to give to you exactly what the word of God says. So I'm going to start by a scripture, um, which we're going to come back to a little bit later that connects to all of this. And it comes from 1 John 2.15. I'm reading it from the message and it will be on the screen. This is what it says. This is what John says. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in this world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to feel and appear important, it has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world with all its wanting and wanting and wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Okay, beautiful scripture. And it's, and it, and it's, and it's trying to unpack a little bit there how much we need to live in the world, but not love everything about the world. Not be seeking pleasure just from the world. We're, we're called to be people who live here, who love being here, to reign and rule in life here, to be blessed here. But there's part of us that will never be fully content here. And that's how it's meant to be. So when you go to psychology and you look at what does happiness mean from a psychological point of view, this is what you come up with. Happiness relates to life's satisfaction. Happiness relates to your appreciation of life. It relates to moments of pleasure. But overall, happiness, we would all agree, has something to do with the positive feeling of emotions that you feel. Then you feel happy. And uh, I was in England recently, and I was in a little cute little English hotel, and I, and I woke up to little English birds, and I smiled, and I thought, I'm happy. Oh, God, I'm so happy. I'm in a bed all to myself. I love my husband. I was in a bed all to myself. It was just, I had a happy moment. I was smiling. But I was thinking, this is a moment. It's just a moment. If you look up Google, if you look up, and you've got to be careful what you look up on Google, but when you look at Google, what's What's happiness? This is what you come up with. The Dalai Lama says the purpose of our whole life is to be happy. Um, I read here, I read a line that says mental health and romance is the answer of the root of happiness. Compassion is the root to all happiness. Love, okay, love is the root to all happiness. You know, happiness is elusive because there's no exact recipe for it, is there? No matter how much we want a recipe... No matter how much um, psychological studies come out and tell us statistics of the happiest nation in the world, which I think is Denmark for some reason, um, <laughs> um, they don't help us really understand happiness because it's so subjective. So what makes Ferry happy to what makes a beer happy? Where's a beer? She just disappeared. I saw you just now, a beer. Um, to what makes Jen Spencer happy? To what makes Sibka Bontecu happy? I know them all. I know that the same things. The things that make Jen happy is not going to make Jet very happy. I can tell you that. I just know. I just know them. <laughs> it's so subjective, right? What makes you happy? You're not going to sit in an English bed listening to English birds going, I'm so happy. Makes me happy, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if you're the first time here, you'll get used to me in a minute. 
Our culture's message, therefore, the world around us, can give us a couple of messages about happiness, right? But it's subjective. So our culture, our Western world culture, because that's what we live in, would say this. Wherever your happiness resides, go and find it. Now, sometimes that's good because it will say, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're happy to be compassionate to people, go and do it. Well, that, that's such a good thing. But, it, but, but the world's culture is telling us that our goal in life is to be happy. And it's saying, whatever that, if that's your goal, do whatever that takes for you. If that's in money, go and make money. If that's in different sexual expressions, go and do it. If that's in movies all night long watching Netflix, go and do it if it makes you happy. If you want to say it because it's on your mouth, say it if it makes you happy. If you, if you want to do drugs, go and do drugs, but don't, just, don't get caught. Don't get caught. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Go and do it. And we are bombarded with messages from celebrities, from media, from social media, from songs, from TV, from the news, all the time about what is supposed to make us happy. Lots of songs that I won't sing, but I was tempted to. <laughs> and when we're young, when we're young, the dreams are set in motion of what are going to make us happy. So at the age of 10, I knew exactly what was going to make me happy. What is every little girl's dream at the age of 10? A princess. I didn't want to be a princess. I wanted to be an astronaut, so that's no good. No, yeah, yeah. I wanted a horse, not a unicorn, not a pink pony. I wanted a real horse. And I knew, because I had started riding by that point, I knew that if I had a horse, everything would be right with the world. I'd have a horse that would make me happy. So when we moved across one side of the country to the other, when I was 10, and my dad bought a very big farmhouse with lots of land and it had stables, he bought me a horse. He bought me happiness. He bought me Trigger, my Palomino pony, and me, me and him had a great connection, but there was a sting to my happiness. Horses need a lot of work. And I lived an hour away from my school, and I had to get the bike to get a bus to get to school. So I had to get up at 6 o'clock every morning to muck out the stables, to sort out my horse, who had mood swings. Not just me, my teenage years, but the horse had mood swings. There was a sting to my happiness. But the pursuit of happiness, even when we're young, is what we are fed it's important for your well-being to be happy. And there is a sense of truth in that. I'm not trying to throw out all the truth that you know in your mind. I'm just trying to help us rewire some things. Because if we take that premise of the goal of our life is happiness, if we take that into our spiritual life and we make happiness our goal, we place ourselves at the center of our universe. We say, I am important. We create a cultural belief system that we actually attribute to God that says this about God. God, you are here to make me happy. You're here to make me happy. God never said that. God never said in here, you gotta hear, this is where you've got to stay with me. He never said, I'm going to make you happy. He never said, my Lisby, the goal for your life that I have over you is that you're happy. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, that's been my experience. God never said he only wants good things to happen in your life. Because if you believe that, you start walking down the slippery slope of other misbeliefs in your life 
Let me talk about the theology of happiness if we get this wrong. Number one, it says this, whatever makes me happy must be right. And therefore, whatever makes me unhappy makes, is wrong because God's goal is to make me happy. So if I'm unhappy, it's wrong. Okay, and I know you're going, we think like this sometimes, right? So therefore, what we begin to think and believe is that suffering and waiting and delay and inconvenience and risk-taking and pain, they can't be God's will. Because they mean I'm not happy, which means something's not right here. Because God's goal is to make me happy. And then what happens is without even consciously knowing it, we start to worship the false gods of comfort, of immediacy, of right on time that this should happen. The goals of money and pleasure and things. And here's the problem. If we assume this theology, we step into a further misplaced belief that God is here to serve us. And he's not. We exist for God. He does not exist for us. Yeah, let's give that a... Yeah, I heard a little clap. Let's, let's make that bigger. We don't have a slot machine in our church. We probably should get one. What do you call them? What do you call those things? Slot machines. Vending machines. Oh, lost my voice there. Vending machines. We don't have one. But a vending machine being, you see Coke, you want Coke, you put money in, you press a button, and out comes Coke. And we can have a theology a little bit like that to our well-being and our happiness. We think there's a formula attached to it. So if I do these things, God, if I've done my bit, if I've gone and been to church once a month, if I've been praying, if I've been reading my Bible, if I've been going to connect group, then I press the button and you will do for me what I want you to do. God's, God's not like that. Now, that's not to say, people, that God isn't a God of promises, because he is. And he will fulfill his promises to you, but not at the press of a button. I'm only talking from my own experience where I've been pressing a button. Come on, come on, come on. He will fulfill his promises in his time, taking into account the whole journey of your life, what it is that he knows you need, but he promises to be there for you, and he will never leave you. He's not a slot machine. And the tragedy is that people walk away from God and walk away from church because of wrong thinking and wrong reasons in their mind. I tried church. It didn't make me happy. I read the Bible, and it didn't do what I wanted it to do in me. Um, I, I, I tried the connect group thing. I tried the group thing, and it uh, didn't work. I'm praying all the time. I still have cancer. I've brought my kids up in the house of God, and now they're rebelling, and they're not walking with God. I'm struggling financially, although I've been giving and giving. And that's, that's, that's real stuff. We, we see that in the church. But there's no formula here. The truth is God has not failed you. I think Louis said that this morning. He's not failed you. You and I can start with the wrong presupposition of our theology of God and how he's here to serve us. And, and forgetting the bigger picture. And that's a dangerous place to be in. God delights in your happiness. Let me say that. God delights in, in your happiness. But it's not his highest priority. My kids, they're in the room now. They weren't last time. My kids' happiness is not my highest priority. When I first had kids, I thought it was. My role was to make them happy. It's not. 
I remember, I won't name names, but one of, the, one of my two boys, the oldest, no, no. <laughs> Trying to get him to bed at night. He didn't want to go to bed because it wasn't a happy space. He's so social. I want to watch TV, I want to be downstairs. So I ended up having to be in the room with him, standing at the door, getting him into bed, saying, I'm not leaving you, but you're not leaving this room. I don't want to be happy. I'm not going anywhere, but you're staying there. And I would spend an half an hour to an hour creeping my way out of the room until he got the message that my goal right now is not his happiness. My goal is that he learns something profound, and that's to go to sleep when he's told. But that's character development. And that's what God is up for us. He's into character development. And we think, God, you don't care. He cares. Wrong presupposition. Wrong presupposition for my kids to think, Mum doesn't care. She's just a big, t giant, tyrant person. I'm not. But my priority at that point, and my goal is not their happiness. I love it when they're happy. I love it when music's filling the air and we're eating chocolate brownies that I've made and they're happy. I love that. But my goal is not their happiness and my heart is bigger for them than that. God does not ask us to pursue happiness as a subjective goal or a way of life. As a goal. You can be happy. But if your goal is happiness, there's a problem. He asks us to pursue him, not happiness, him. Because when you pursue him, everything that you need, that your heart craves for, will be fulfilled. We pursue him so our lives have meaning and they have value. And we don't pursue Jesus for the product of happiness. I'll pursue you, Jesus, so that I get the formula thing. We pursue Jesus for him alone just because of who he is. And the babies that got dedicated today, you know, we can all go, they're so cute, they're so lovely, we want them to be happy in life. We do. But God's goal for them, and their parents' goal for them, is that they find meaning, and they find purpose, and they are blessed in the process. And that will create a sense of happiness in them, but it's not the goal of a child's life. Are you hearing me? So let's just go to two things that are really important. I always run out of time in the English service. Why is that? It's because our translators are so good. <laughs> right. God does not want two things that are important to know. God does not want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Okay. So let me take Proverbs 14, 12. There is a path before each person that seems right, that seems the happy way, seems to be the good way to go, but in the end it leads in death. It doesn't end up where you want it to, okay? The calling on our life is to be holy, not happy. 1 Peter 1, but you must be holy in all you do, just as God who chose you is holy. You see, if above all else God wants me happy, I can justify doing wrong in my life because I look at the path ahead of me and it seems right to me because it makes me happy. And I would justify doing things that God says are unwise or stupid or foolish. We see it all the time, right? In and out of the church. I'm not happy at church. But God wants me happy. That must mean I should leave church. Okay? That's dumb logic. I'm just speaking it out. There are good reasons for leaving church sometimes. I get that. But it's, it shouldn't be about your happiness. All right? Or... or, or you, I know this is complex. I'm just trying to get the point across. Eating this whole cake will make me happy. So I will. Well, that's great, isn't it? I've done that. <laughs> I'm not happy in my job. 
So it makes me happy to quit my job, so I'll quit my job before I have another job. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't leave your work, because of, 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 but if it's to be, I got, I, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy moments in my, in, my, in my job, so I better quit it. Before I found another one, God's like wisdom. He wants you to navigate your life with wisdom, not the goal of happiness. I'm not getting what I want from my marriage. Now, I know marriage is a complex And I know there are grounds for divorce and a lot of stuff like that. We haven't got time to go into that. But we live in a world that says, and it is celebrated at times, decoupling and all that sort of stuff, that if you're not happy in your marriage, why don't you just go and find it somewhere else? I'm just having an unhappy season in my marriage. I've been married 25 years. I haven't had, it's not all beds of roses and birds, English birds singing. It's, you know, there are moments where it's tough. There have been moments where I felt unhappy. He's not here, I can say this. No. There have been. And you'll have faced that too. But that's not, a, that's, not, that's not my goal in my marriage. It's not my happiness. My goal is that God's put us together to serve him. And I'm going to work through those things because he has blessed us. That's the goal. I'm not getting what I want, you know, okay, premarital sex. Sex is called as a sacred place in marriage alone. But what we have in and out of the church are people saying, hey, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, they make me happy. And when we put our bodies together, that makes our bodies happy. And we're married in our heart, so it has to be okay. Whereas God's there going, hey, just because it makes you happy doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wise, doesn't mean that's the the calling on my life I have for you is that you're holy, not that you travel down a pathway with the goal of happiness in mind when it comes to your sexual expression. That's really quiet here now, isn't it? Right. And I have learned this. My decision-making cannot be based on what will make me happy if it means I will disregard God's higher purposes for me. God does not want you happy if it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. And I found that a challenge. There are times where I'm thinking, I'll make this decision because it makes me happy. And I feel the Spirit of God going... That's not what I've called you to do. Challenging. Secondly, we live in a world, we live in a world that says this. Well, no, I've said secondly. He does not want you happy when it's based only on the things of this world. As in, what can you get out of this world that will make you happy? God's not particularly interested in that. Because there's a lot of false promises out there. A lot of stunning false promises of what you need to be happy. So I went on to RTL7 and sat through painfully a series of adverts. I don't like watching TV because I don't like adverts. But this is what came up. If I'm going to be happy, and I had, a, I had a hilarious talk in the first service with two ladies that came this morning who were in advertising. <laughs> and they, they loved this because they said it gave us a whole fresh perspective on what you were saying. Um, very interesting. I was like, oh, great. And, uh, So I pushed myself to watch this. If I'm going to be happy, I need a new sexy red Mazda car. That's going to make me happy. Next advert. If I'm going to have happiness in my home, I need an AEG quiet vacuum cleaner. It has to be quiet. If I use the Lancome perfume, I'm going to look and move and smell like Julia Roberts. And don't we all want that, ladies? I need HelloFresh every week in my house because then I don't have to prepare dishes 
and it's stress-free, and I have to shop. I have to shop in Crowdvat this week because the unbidding sales are unbelievable, and I'm going to come away as a woman feeling happy. That's what I got out of this. Better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, perfect appearance. When you have these things, you're going to be happy. 1 John 2.15, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods because when you love the world, it squeezes out the love and the pursuit of God. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to feel important, has nothing to do with the Father. It isolates you from him. And all this world with its wanting and wanting, it will disappear. It's on its way out. It is. But whatever God wants is set for your eternity. I love that. And it, it, it makes me think of all the traveling that I've enjoyed when I was younger. That, 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 you know, when I was young, I traveled and I traveled a bit of the world on my own and it was great and it grew me. It grew me as a person. But traveling can be an adrenaline fix for you. If that's on holidays, like I'm living for my holiday happiness because there I feel, I feel great. Okay? But if that takes you away from building something meaningful... And permanent, is it right? Like, it can tear you away from something. Traveling's great, but it has to have a meaningful context. Money is great. It has to have a meaningful context. Shopping is cool, but it has to have a meaningful context. Achieving things. 75 likes on my picture on Instagram. It's got to have a context. That one's a bit weird. But, you know, it's not wrong to achieve, but what's its context? If that's what you're aiming for because it makes you happy, you're going to be let down. God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed because, hear this, happiness is based on happenings, moments, seasons, a piece of happiness here, a new red coat here, a new relationship here, a great night out here, a good season in my job. My kids are doing well, so I'm happy. It's based on moments. It's based on happenings. But a blessed life is not based on happenings. It's not based on seasons. It's a constant. It never leaves you. Because a blessed life is based on his goodness and on his presence. It's so much more than happiness. It's that that we're looking for. And out of being blessed, you enjoy the world more. You feel happy about things because you know that you're blessed. And that's your goal so people think blessed, and the Christians have done this too. Blessed means money, and it means being wealthy, and it means, you know, good health. We've gone down that route as a church. Not us personally, don't think, but if we have, sorry. Um, <laughs> but blessed is not that. I need a drink. Blessed is not that, right? Mm -mm. Hallelujah, the Lord wants you blessed. Well, what does blessed mean? Blessed doesn't really mean you're going to have a bad day. It's not going to mean that, you know... A.V. doesn't say to Raymond, I want you to go and buy this shopping list, and he comes back with five things that weren't on it, two things that were on it, and three things she never wanted in the first place. And you're like, that's not a blessed day. <laughs> Your kids don't look at you and go, I hate you. Not that mine do, not that mine do. But, you know, could have been moments. I hate you. 
or you don't have a difficulty in a relationship, or you're not, you know, they're not having struggles. That's, blessed doesn't mean that. Blessed, blessed means that you will experience the goodness of God and all that he is and all that he has for you right in the middle of all your storms of life. In every day, there'll be peace, there'll be presence, there'll be joy. And it's deep down, right under you, like a river of life. That is what blessed is. That is the thing we're pursuing. We don't, you don't have to pursue being blessed. When you get saved, you're blessed. Because Jesus comes and lives in your heart and he recreates you in a new identity so that you are blessed. But our pursuit, therefore, is him. That's the goal of our life. And if we're pursuing happiness, we will overlook the beautiful truth in that we're blessed. Already, just by being in Christ. Psalm 37, 4, and I'll have the keys up, please. It says this, take delight in the Lord give you the desires of your heart. Now we take that scripture and we love the bottom bit, the last bit, God's giving me the desires of my heart. How do we get those desires and what do they look like? We have to connect it to the first part. We take delight, we pursue the Lord. We don't, it doesn't say take delight in shopping. Take delight in your boyfriend. Take delight in your studies. <laughs> take delight in your kids. Take delight in your holiday. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. It says, take delight in the Lord. And when you have desires for him and you pursue him and you delight in him, you're going to have a perfectly blessed life. Not the perfect life, not the no pain-free life, but you're going to have the blessed life where the supernatural meets your natural and empowers you to do more than you can possibly ever imagine. He wants you blessed. He wants you fruitful. Let me tell you what he wants. He wants you planted in the house of God and serving in the house of God. He wants you taking your next steps. He wants you to build what he's given you. He wants you to grow you. He wants to empower you. He wants to shape your character. He wants to get purpose in you. He wants you to be holy. His goal is not your happiness. It's not wrong to be happy, but it's not a goal. And I'm going to finish with this story that Max Lucado, who's a, a great um, Christian writer, he tells this story. He says, if you take a fish and you place him on the beach and you watch his gills gasp and his scales dry out, you're going to look at that fish and go, you ain't happy, mate. You're not happy. So how are you going to make that fish happy? Are you going to give him a Heineken? and a Playfish magazine, and go, there you go. You're going to stick him in a beach chair with a pair of glasses on. You're going to be happy now. You're going to throw a mountain of cash over him and go, fish, be happy. Of course not. How do you make a stranded fish happy? I've been there. You put him back in his element. You put him back in the water. He'll never be happy on the beach simply because he wasn't made for the beach. He was made for the water. And that story links to this, that you will never be completely happy on earth. That's not wrong to find happiness here. Let me hear me right. But you'll never be fully happy here simply because you weren't made for earth alone. You're made to reign and rule here. You're made to enjoy life here because you serve God. 
But ultimately, the things that you think are going to make you happy, you're only going to find when you get to heaven. The things that we crave, the deep needs that we have, we can find that fulfillment here. But ultimately, when 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That to me says, I can't imagine the satisfaction and the fulfillment I'm going to get when I meet Jesus face to face, I can't imagine it. He's prepared it because I love him, but I can't imagine it yet. So I have to almost, you know what? You have to lower your expectations of this world. Because if you are struggling, let's say, let me say this, if you're struggling with mental illness, depression, suicidal thoughts, all those sort of things, or you're just up and down in your emotions and, connect, and that's connected to people disappointing you or God disappointing you, Sometimes we have to lower our expectations of what we're getting here. Because when we place such high expectations on people and what they can do for us, what God can do for us, we get let down. And God's, and, 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 and if we lower our expectations, we go, but God, I find all that in you. I find all that in you. It brings a peace into your mind. It brings a sense of rest into your mind. And it's beautiful. So let me summarize this. Just as we close, you are created to serve and glorify the God of the universe. He is not here to serve you. He's here to love you, bless you, honor you. But he's not here to serve you in this respect that we are here to serve him. There will never be a new house, a new car, a new partner, a new baby, a rearrangement of your physical body, a travel itinerary that is going to fully satisfy you only God can he wants to make you holy give you a purpose so that your life has such meaning in it that that is such a satisfaction that there's a happiness in that in itself he's there in the midst of our storms and he won't leave us because he is a God who brings blessing why don't we stand up together as we wrap this up, bring it to a close. I want you to take a moment in the presence of God for you right now. Because I know this is a confronting message. And it's a bit painful. And it's, and it, and it's meant to be. Because when the word of God comes in, it's offensive at times. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not calling us here to, to go around being unhappy people. That is far from what I'm saying. But the goal of your life has to be greater than that. We're living, in a, we're living in a world where parents are fueled by making their kids happy. And it worries me of a generation of kids growing up with an immediacy of all these things around them that, that make them content and happy, but there's no directiveness. We've got to break that. We've got to break that cycle. We've got to break it in us. We've got to break it in us so that we know what true happiness is and where it lies. And our goal is not trying to get it from the world, but we're getting it from God. So Jesus, right now, just really stretch out your hands to God. We pray over this place. And I know that there's people here for the first time, and this is a message that's like, whoa, where did that come from? God loves you. He's for you. He has great plans for your life. He's come to give us purpose and joy and meaning and peace and all these things that are lasting and everlasting. And I pray right now, Spirit of God, in this room, that you touch every heart, every mind, where maybe you're bringing a challenge that would hold on to that challenge. 
you'd let every person here know that they are loved and that every time you have to make a decision about this, God graces you when you're weak. Weakness is not a failure. Like, when I got saved at 15, you could say, you know, oh, it's a weak decision to give in to God. It wasn't. It was a surrender to God because it was difficult as a teenager to be saved. It was difficult in the face of ridicule and laughter. It was a strong decision I made, not a weak decision that I made, to surrender to God. And I know that in those moments where there are decisions to be made, it's not weakness to surrender to God. It's strength. But it is saying, God, I can't do this alone. I need you. I need a dependency on you. Because if you want the blessed life, people, if you want the blessed life, you need to know him. You need to be in relationship with him. Because he created you not just to have fun on earth, to try and get through life and do it okay. He wants more for you than that. He wants you to go through this life with incredible sense of why you are here to make a difference on this, in this planet, to make a footprint here with something different. He has that for you. No matter how long or short our lives are, we can have an incredibly meaningful life. But we have to find that in Jesus first. And if you were here and you don't feel that your life has much meaning, it has much, there's, there's not enough to it. The answer is not in trying to achieve more. The answer is Jesus. Because when you partner with him, he can do so much with your life. So right here, in the next minute, I'm going to pray a prayer for those of you who want to invite Jesus into your life. And actually say, I confess that you are Lord. You are who you say you are. You did die on the cross for me. You did die to set me free in my thinking and in my life. And I want you to be able to take that moment. Maybe you've been away from God for a while and you need to come back to him because you've been going down that wrong road. God's grace right now is like an open-armed hug for you. So just as our eyes are closed, and this is a sacred moment, just before I pray that prayer, I'd like to ask you to do something brave, and that's just put up your hand for me so that I can see, and you can see, and God can see that you're making that decision for Him today. And then we're going to all pray together. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. So if that's you, could you just put up your hand for me nice and high in the air so that I can see it? Thank you. I see that hand. I know there's a lot of people in worship. So um, if you can put your hand up high like you, you, you know, you're wanting high in the air, that would be beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? It's not all about the hand. It's a sign. God, I surrender to you. Okay. Beautiful. Let's pray this together. Pray this after me. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you died for me, to set me free from all the things that hold me captive. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. Come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Forgive me. Give me a hope and a future. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.